Welcome to A Woman's Brew, where women talk about beer. This is the second part of our home brewing episode, and in this one, we answer all of your questions. I'm Joanne, and with Tori, we're two beer-loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us. Should we pour these second beers? We should indeed. What have you got? I mean, I already told you, I've got the mustard beer. (laughs) What do you have? Um, I've got my raspberry wheat beer. I've got your raspberry wheat, but it is it wasn't chilled enough. We alluded at the beginning to the fact I've got I've got my next beer. We've got our next beers, by the way. Um, and I just want to shout out saying so you made this mustard one back in February. February time, I think. It feels ages ago, but I think yeah. it's because I saw the Oscar Blues one ages ago and I got you to agree to brew it in February. It was the beginning of the year anyway. Yeah, I've had a few sips already. And I actually would say that I think it's got better with time because oh, really? like the real like orangey notes come out more in it and it the spiciness comes out more. Yeah. And it does like when I originally had it, I was like, yeah, no, it doesn't taste like mustard at all. And I wouldn't say it tastes like mustard now, but I can I think over time the parts of it have come out more strong that are the elements that make up mustard, yeah. if that if that makes sense. Yeah. I had one a few weeks spiciness. Back and it was it was very limey like the fruits were really coming through i i would say yeah i i mean the citrus like this the, the yeah. orange piece of it and the spiciness the sharpness a bit of like you know maybe a bit of like almost lime, yeah lime lime yeah. orange spice um it is exactly what i think probably the oscar blues was supposed to Okay. But I'm not here to talk about this at the moment because I feel like we've already covered this one. So we sort of alluded to the fact that we had gone and done a brew day on a yes. commercial level with Heist. So we, we are so grateful to Heist and we're going to do a whole separate episode on it. So we don't really want to talk about it too much because I think there's a lot to be said about it and we've already talked a lot already. So uh, but what I thought would be quite interesting, you know, from your standpoint as a person that's homebrewed quite significantly to kind of understand like was there anything you felt you learned from that experience of brewing on commercial kit to a higher volume I mean I think you always learn something when you go and brew with somebody else um that's always kind of a bit of a collaboration of of ideas and methods um it's very it's a similar process but it's a very different process um so it was it was nice to brew on the scale that heist brew on like they're still relatively small and everything is still very hands-on um it's i think like seeing how they how they chill their beer because like they have like a heat exchanger and things like that um watching the way that it um that they sparge and like how they how they do things and and do you know what um we were working with scott and chris uh because unfortunately rachel couldn't be there and we were all really sad but we were very sad that rachel couldn't be there yeah. but they were so they were amazing and, like, and they were the nicest people scott was really good at going over like without being asked like going over each step and why he was doing things and how he was doing things and like explaining the equipment because obviously the equipment is on a much bigger scale than anything that um I have at home I have commercially brewed 
air quotes before um i've helped out at wildcard on international women's collaboration brew day but usually they like the there'll be a a few commercial brewers who are also there and they kind of get really stuck in to the important stuff (laughs) and then you know we clean clean out the mash tun maybe chuck some hops in clean some lemon peel all day like it's the kind of thing we do it's that. like it's segmented in the like yeah. you get specific roles you're not doing necessarily like the end to end like yeah. you got a chance yeah to so do we got to do like the whole thing um, so i cool. thought it was really interesting and talking about like the equipment because obviously they've got they've got a bit of technology there like checking temperatures and 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 things and um and uh you know like probes in the fermenter to check it to check the check the temperature and things like that so they can keep it consistent um uh, what i particularly enjoyed was uh trying the beers off of tank <laughs> that Thank was you. really fun that was it really was a fun. burden it was a burden um, bad. and and then like because they they are starting a barrel program sneaky sneaky um so you know we should probably check if we can say that i know <laughs> I mean, I think, I think they've announced. The I think, I, yeah, I was going to say. I think they also put something out about uh, that was their test, or maybe that was their test kit. I don't know. We'll cut that bit then. Um, and they, so they, a thing that I found really interesting was that they have, they've still got a smaller kit that they test things on, so they can do it in a smaller amount. And yeah, that's just sat there in the brewery as well as the bigger bit for making other stuff. So you know, it's it's all about scale. So brewers will do things on small scale just to test it no sometimes it doesn't scale up the way you think it will um that's always interesting to talk about but um but yeah it was it was really interesting i think i always learned something on a yeah, for, me, for me it was just a learning process overall yeah. that's why it kind of wasn't really because i'd only done and the length before time and is a lot back- longer because yeah, a lot so- more liquid to so- process so that was kind of like what I took away from that. Not not the only thing I took away, obviously, but like the key point that for me, because obviously I'd done it back to back in the sense of like I'd only gone to you like a few weeks prior and then having done like one homebrew where I was kind of uh, watching you and then you'd say like, okay, do the sparge now and do this, do that. And then getting stuck in on like a commercial level, like only a few weeks later, what I noticed the biggest thing was arguably there was more waiting around <laughs> and I and I'm not sure at the commercial level and I'm yeah. assuming that's probably because sort of the equipment that you're using there's more there's more liquid to process there's more liquid to process but also like because you have those other tools that help out on that commercial level um you don't necessarily have to stand over oh, yeah, something you, be, you yeah, do you I mean quite you, never yeah. really quite as hands-on as I am in the kitchen yeah it's it's you've got some things that help ease that a bit so there's maybe slightly less pressure on that front so slightly more ability to kind of chill out a bit more um I mean there's it's still very like it is still very hands-on um it was cool I got to got to dig out mash it was you've got to if if you're in a collaboration if you are the visitor you've got to clean out the mash time them's the rules (laughs) and literally everyone that we met that evening was like you did you clean out the mash mash. yes of course we did yeah uh it's funny because obviously i was i was working well again i don't want to talk too much about it because we'll talk about all this but i was working in the morning um working for the brewery i'm fairly certain my colleagues but i mean they all took the took the piss like to my face like oh you're working out of a brewery you're working out of a brewery are you you're working i was like i promise i really am definitely Um, didn't slide you a tiny bit yeah yeah i was fresh from tank she like came up yeah like 
Drive this. Also, I was thankfully it was an internal call, but I was on a call as well. And Joanne walked right behind me. My videos on. She walked behind me. And she's like <laughs> waving <laughs> frantically <laughs> as she's walking by. And I don't even think anyone clocked it to be honest, because there were so many people moving around in the background. And I only had the camera on because like somebody's like, "Oh, you're working from the brewery," and I was like, "Yeah, I'll show you what it's like." And I just left the camera on. Um, and and we do a lot of video chat for my work versus like having cameras off like most other companies do so uh, they were taken in the scenes I don't even think it phased anyone that you walked by and waved frantically in the background it gave uh, if anything it made me Say laugh hello. and I was like <laughs> um but yeah I, I was genuinely working in the morning so I missed the very beginning of it so you did the very beginning of it so when it came time to dig out the mash tun like who dug it out that was your job buggins I held the bag I held the bag I dragged the bags across the brew house you did you You definitely did but I because I missed the well I got to got a few chances to sort of like paddle things but uh, yeah but it was the I'll tell you what I did learn I need a step to be able to get right into the mash tun. I'm a bit, a little bit too short. I think I was just the right height. Yeah, I'm a bit too just. short. If it was a smidge higher, I would have been like pits deep in it. it yeah, would have been I needed to, I needed to be a bit higher to get like the proper leverage to properly stir the mash. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious when I walked over and you were just like on tiptoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, we'll talk more about that. But I yeah. just thought it was just kind of interesting to kind of understand from your standpoint somebody that's done it was it something like from your end was it something that felt like such a new experience compared to what you were used to or were you just kind of like here's the next step of what we're doing now I'm all good like did it translate fairly well yeah I think it does but that's because I've done I've been to commercial breweries before and seen how they do it like it's just bigger like I think if you've got a good grip of what the brewing process is it's just bigger and there's different tools that make it that can help you do it Cool, cool. So that brings us on to our remaining section, which is the general Q&A that uh, numerous people have submitted via Facebook, uh, Instagram, my text messages, because my friend has submitted some stuff as well, because I know <laughs> that he's actually quite keen. He started homebrewing recently as well. Um, so I thought he'd be interested in this topic as well. He's doing a, uh, I think he's doing a bit of like an internship type thing okay. over at one of the breweries in Bristol at the moment. Nice. So he'll get to sort of see that experience of home brewing versus commercial brewing as well. So that's that's cool. Uh so yeah, to start, where do you recommend buying your kit from? I mean, any of those homebrew places, or if you really want to go and talk to someone, find a homebrew shop. Are there any other places that you can get them? Because I know like you've managed to get some from like people selling on Facebook. Um yeah, so um I have ended up with a plethora of demijohns because um someone was giving away brewing stuff if you have a local home brewing group join that um, if they've got a facebook group join that um you can often exchange things or people will be selling bits off that they don't because they've gone bigger or they've got something newer so they'll be selling bits off or you nearly know, got an all-in-one thing i know i nearly got <laughs> an all-in-one the you're other too slow I missed it. I you too thought slow. about it too you thought about it yeah, too hard it too long i did and somebody else got it but um um yeah check for local home brewing groups or amateur brewer groups check check facebook and, and ebay if people get if you want something cheap or like my friend picked up a whole bunch of demijohns and bottles for me that someone was just giving away so you know just keep your eyes peeled for things another question that was sent in how much kit is too much kit um <laughs> too much kit is that you haven't got anywhere to store it <laughs> i don't think you can ever have too much kit 
that like um, the rule of beer as well you right, never have too you, much beer you yeah, always have the right amount you've of beer always got the you right don't have anywhere stuff, for it to go unless you haven't got any storage space for it it depends on your storage space it goes from right amount to there's nowhere for it to go too much <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Love that. Um, ingredient storage. So you kind of mentioned, you alluded to it a little bit, but any like sort of tips and tricks, like how do you store your ingredients? Anything people need to know about ingredient storage? I mean, really, you want your ingredients as fresh as possible. On a very small scale, often that isn't as easy as it can be. Um, I keep all of my grains wrapped up tightly in an airtight container my hops are in the freezer because um, I only use a little bit of the hops. And then when I'm gonna, about to use them, I do check them because they can start to go cheesy. Oof. And then they're not not Grim. good anymore. <laughs> I've not actually had any go cheesy on me before I've used them. So the um, so makes you feel okay. ill. <laughs> <laughs> they just cheesy. don't smell right. Like you know what they smell like, and they don't. They just don't smell right. Um, and yeast is best kept in the fridge. Um, but yeah, just think about it's like the same with foodstuffs just think about appropriate storage of them and think about would you keep that outside of like i know you store yours in the freezer how long could you sort of keep it outside if it's vacuum packed and like and completely sealed and you haven't opened it you can keep it for quite some time if you've opened it in or out of fridge um out out of fridge like you want to keep it you don't want to keep it like anywhere hot really but you can keep it somewhere cool um if I haven't opened a bag, I don't tend to put it in the freezer until I've opened it. Because once you've opened it, you'll let air into it. And that's when it starts to go. Um, so that's when they go in the freezer. Fair, Fair enough. Uh, I think, so looking at how your grain stores, your grain storage was, um, if people have like a smaller scale of it, my thought was get one of those cereal containers that are like totally, yeah. uh, it's got like the rubber bit around it. So it like airs off if you want to keep it a bit more like, yeah not in a bag not completely because i know yours is sort of like it's sealed quite well you have to like let the air out seal it and then tape it but top tip if you've got those uh (laughs) cereal containers that are like airtight those are probably that was my observation of what could make for really good storage not that you want to listen to me over joe though because (laughs) she definitely has more expert knowledge than i do in this area uh how long can beers last that you've homebrewed or Um, anybody's homebrewed it depends on the style it's the same as any other beer. It depends on how you store it. It depends on the style. Um, so anything that's really hoppy, you're going to want to use quickly because those hops are going to fade. Anything that's like a big stout, you can probably age for a while, but you don't want it in fluctuating temperatures. You want it somewhere cool, stable, and away from light. Um, certain styles will get better as they age. Like I did a one of this my very <laughs> my very first fruit beer I made with cherries, and it took 18 months for that cherry flavor to properly develop so we're about two years down the line now and it's pretty good right now <laughs> do you think it like some. hits a peak and then just like dips it can, off? i mean it can do i mean that's the same with any beer like it's it's Fair. just you know if you're storing it properly and consuming it with it like if it's a hoppy beer drink it fresh if it's a darker beer you can keep it a bit longer yeah i mean like Depends I said, I mean, to start, this was already quite like I quite enjoyed it the first time we had it, and the fact that it's been however many months yeah, that down was a the bit line. Weird it's spiced. I know, but the fact that it's like however many months down the line, yeah, and it actually takes some improve with age. Sometimes, yeah. if it, sometimes if you get a brew and you're like, oh, that's not quite what I wanted, leave it for a bit and it might get better. <laughs> what was the style of this? I can't remember what's, it's wheat what beer. style was it. Wheat beer, yeah. 
it's 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 held up so happy days uh what's the next question i've got uh so do you need to store homebrewed beers in the in a particular way is it the same as a commercially brewed beer i think you've kind of answered that it's the same I could you keep say, it in a cupboard if it was a stable temperature I mean, versus can. a fridge I mean, or yeah you can do it like same as any other beer store it the fridge best way best, that you probably. can i would say with homebrews you want to keep them stood upright especially if they're in bottle because you are going to get sediment and you want that left at the bottom uh next question is it better to do a second fermentation in a separate vessel or just ferment until bottling in one i mean i don't but people do <laughs> Is it like pros and cons to doing one over the other or is it just preference or? It's just preference and how you want to do it. Like I've, Are there I've certain read, styles that impact I've, it, I guess? Mm, not necessarily. It depends on what you want it to come out like and what the recipe says and your experience. Um, I think I've noticed that a lot of American home brewers do secondary, like take it off of the yeast and do secondary fermentation. Um, I've always just kept it in like i don't leave it in long enough for it to affect it like two weeks three weeks absolutely max is how long i will leave a beer in a in a demijohn so that's not really long enough for it to for anything to impact it um negatively anyway so i just take it out of the demijohn and bottle it some people like there'll be pros and cons to both ways that's just the way that i do it do a bit of research see what people say online and do what feels right for you maybe try both see yeah, what you try prefer both. see what you like yeah uh someone wants to know where you specifically find inspiration for your beers um so i will brew what i want to drink <laughs> do you want to give some examples actually before you finish that question do you want to yeah. give some examples of what you've brewed because some people obviously might not yeah, have known so i brewed a Vienna, i brewed vienna lager mustard beer i've done a raspberry wheat um i've done a chai mild that sounds amazing um i did i like to do something a bit weird (laughs) i like to try different things um i have also done a so i've done a cranberry uh and i did a cranberry saison my saison's come out really well i am a saison brewer Um, I did a cranberry saison. I did an orange and basil saison. You say it like I it's a bad thing and it's not an amazing lemon, thing. I did a lemon and rosemary saison. That's the one that I thought that I was getting right. out when I, because that's the one you submitted that yeah. to a homebrewing competition. I didn't did, you? and I came 12th out of 44. So I was quite happy with that. That's more um, than 50%. <laughs> right, right. And it was with three hills. And um, Andy, we spoke to Andy at the outpost, and he was like, there was this really nice saison. I was like, that was mine. Um, so yeah so that was really good i like to do things that are a bit weird because i'm only doing a small batch so i can do something that's a bit weird and if it 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 doesn't work out out, most things come out quite well um i have got conditioning right now a dark saison with cherry yeah i'm gonna need some that yeah i think (laughs) was those your kent cherries yes with kent cherries um my raspberry wheat was the first one that i tried with the tea trick that I learned off of Drew from Boutilliers. Um What are you talking about? Drew doesn't do that. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Um, I also teas. did a pineapple pina colada milkshake uh, pale, and that had sabro, pineapple, and pineapple uh, pina you, colada tea. I know you it. don't really rebrew anything. Can you rebrew that? <laughs> that was obviously could. before. I, that was probably ages ago before I was getting your homebrews. Yeah. That, I so, think that was before we knew each other. You're going to need to rebrew stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to rebrew stuff. For this audience. Um, 
in the works i want to do i think i need to make the um pumpkin spice latte with chocolate drizzle that we talked about my pu- my my pumpkin spice yeah, order my starbucks I, because PSL. i started working out i started working out the recipe for that so can I you call like it like can we specifically call it like tori's psl yeah can I'm you do like, like a label that's like a yeah. like a starbies cup and then it's my yeah. name on it yeah i can do that it's but for um, anyone that doesn't know it's it's my <laughs> yeah pumpkin spice latte order from starbucks yeah. it's it's the second one we were gonna brew but we had to scale we it back because i basically said yeah. to joe we were gonna do a pumpkin beer together because that was the second obvious choice of what we do together especially for the time of year um and i was like when i go to starbucks i was like pi- i was pitching it to her like i was on dragon's yeah. den like i was like yeah. i go to starbucks and i get an iced pumpkin spice latte no whip pumpkin sprinkles and you get the mocha drizzle on the top and then you get this lovely psl with a chocolate situation and it I creates can, an amazing autumn color it creates like happen. brilliant colors yeah i would i would die in a good way so um in the works i would like to do an Oktoberfest, but that will have to be february um i would do you want to explain why it has to be february because, because previously i said i have no temperature control so i have to do lagers <laughs> in february march so they go in the shed um um i what there was something else that i wanted to brew your Vienna again with rye. I was going, yeah. I was saying that so to I've me. Got, I've, I've been doing a Vienna. I, the only beer that I've ever rebrewed is my Vienna Lager because it was a Sam Adams clone, and it's not quite right, and I'm not happy with it, and I think it needs more spice, so I might add some rye to it. Um, nice. And there was something else I wanted to brew. I've got some more Kent cherries, so I need to brew something with cherry. <laughs> Submit your ideas, people. Yeah, what, something what, you think what, you should brew, brew with cherries. With cherry. <laughs> Let me know because I've got. I've got like about 600 grams of cherries in there. And you've done a cherry stout, haven't you? So that's kind of like, you could do that again, but you've done that. Yeah. I think that came out more like a barley wine because it came out at at 15.6%. Funnily enough, I was going to say maybe a barley wine with it (laughs) after having uh, low keys, but I guess that kind of counts. Uh, Yeah, I think think that you should say, like if someone submits you a really amazing idea, that's the one that you should brew. So get your ideas submitted. Yeah, send your your ideas to me and I will develop (laughs) recipes. Uh, so the TLDR of the inspiration is just you brew what you want to I brew what I like. I brew what I like. And then I come up with what I want. And I'm like, this is what I want to brew. So then I go and look at other people's recipes because you can just Google it. You can literally just Google pumpkin spice stout res- uh, homebrew recipe and loads will come up. Um, and then I have a look at all these different recipes. I also have homebrewing books that I really enjoy. Um, there, and there are books that have clone recipes in them i'm looking at them which is why if you're on the video i'm looking <laughs> over my shoulder um, she's just being very rude <laughs> i've got the she, big book she of, doesn't even want to look at me when she talks the big book of clone recipes um home brew beer which is a dolin kinsley one which is really good um brew is another good one like they've got recipes in so you can look at those i've got some like i got some out of the library and oh I have a vintage recipe of a parsnip beer that sounds really weird, but I feel like I want to try it to see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that happens? It's not. One one beer that came out really well drinkable that I was happy about was my friend is from Faversham and she really enjoyed um, Abbey beer that was brewed by Shepherd Neen, but they don't make it anymore. So she was like, could you brew me this Abbey beer? And I was like, well, I need to find what the recipe is. So I actually found a vintage recipe of Shepherd Neem's Abbey beer 
and I scaled it to my kit and I brewed it. And when she drank it, she said it was exactly the beer that she was looking for. Happy days. Woo! I was pleased with that. Well, I, that was that an also... hour and a half boil, PS. That took the entire day. That also ticks off one of the questions, which was like, how do you create your recipes? I feel like you've just answered that. As yeah, well. I, I like, search I for really... them. I search for them and then I tweak them. Um, and I've kind of got a feel for what I know, mm. like depending on the on what ABV I want, I know how many kind of kilograms of of malt I need. I know a little bit about different malts and what they're going to give me. So I will go with different ones. It can be quite difficult being a person in the UK because there's a lot of US recipes and they have different malts to what we have. So you have to kind of find equivalents. Um, it can also be difficult to get hold of the hops that you want, but there are really good resources on on hop equivalents um, that you can use instead. And I have a book called The Hop List, which talks about equivalents as well. So um, you can just substitute things in and you just try things. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that was part of a conversation we had with somebody else. And I can't remember who exactly it was with. It might have been uh, read from first and last. Yeah. Um, but was it it was we had a conversation with somebody who was talking about how it is quite difficult to source uh hops on a on a larger scale yeah when you're a home brewer like it's difficult to get your hands on certain things because you just can't i remember who we had the conversation with grace yeah i yeah cut all that out because let's not spoil let's not time stamp that but um yeah that that reminds me of like the conversation we were having with someone um that we that we both know that was uh it will become apparent to listeners at some point uh uk it's difficult to source hops on a homebrewing level or yeah certain hops certain more, certain ingredients want, like, on a homebrew the level the newest hops like try, they're not going to be the get, freshest try and get cryo try and get like cryo pop you've got no chance mate like um I mean, that's because, the hot hot because hot. Yeah, the hot, the hot, new hotness in hops. Good luck trying to get that. Like commercial brewers have trouble getting some of that. Um, so you know you're not always going to get exactly what you want if you're trying to like clone something or something like that. Um, so you got kind of work with what you've got. Um, and I find that there's like so American malts are different. Like a lot of recipes I see use honey malt, and we don't have an equivalent of that here. Sounds so really I lovely. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really good. And there's a few recipes where I was like, oh, I really need. And like, there are, you can find substitutions for things, but sometimes you just got to kind of tweak it with what you've got. And sometimes I just want to brew with what's in my box to use it up. Because I imagine sometimes you probably had to get, maybe you've done like back-to-back recipes where you're like, oh, I'll just get a bigger bag because I know I'll need this or this is something I'll use commonly. Yeah. Uh, But then maybe you start brewing something else and you don't use that as much. And then you're like, oh, I've still got all this. I want to try something else, but I also don't want this big bag sitting around. So, yeah. yeah. I will always buy like Marisotta in five kilogram bags because that's generally going to be my base malt. Um, but which anything, really helped us out when we, yeah. <laughs> when we um, but it. anything else I tend to buy in like one kilogram 500 gram bags because that's all I really need of it um, wheat I tend to get in a bigger bag because I tend to use a lot of wheat in things because I like a creamier mouthfeel so I guess it's kind of like maybe a recommendation for people as well if they're doing it themselves like start maybe start smaller playing around with things figure out what you like making yeah. and how you like your things which is to why come kits out. are really good to start with because you get it already all portioned out and then you can go i really like this style that style yeah. whatever and so you 
know that you're going to buy a big bag of x type and a smaller bag of y type so something that people might not think of if they're jumping in and they're really excited to start they might just be like buy all the stuff and then it's like like, actually malts aren't that expensive but you can end up with them sat around for quite some time and if you've got them sat around they're not as fresh so you're not going to get you know breweries go through bags and bags and bags of malt so they're going through it really quickly so it's much fresher than if you know it's been sat in my box for a little while and that's fine because I'm not selling to anybody I'm just making for the fun of it but if you want to make like really top class beer you need quality ingredients so you know you don't want it sitting around for too long so what are the styles that you think are better or less recommended to attempt as a home brewer I mean that could be is there something that's better or worse for somebody to try as a newbie? And are there certain things that you just shouldn't really try on a homebrew scale? I mean, you can make anything on a homebrew scale. You've just got to follow the instructions. Are there so, more like user-friendly ones? Oh, I yeah. Guess, so something that's, something that's more simple. And really, brew something that you want to drink. Because at the end of the day, you, that's gonna, you're, you're going to make, depending on what size you're going for, you could have six pints of that you could have 46 pints of that and then somebody's got to drink it <laughs> that's <laughs> otherwise true. it's just a waste so brew something that you want to drink for a start yeah, yeah. um go for something more simple to begin with just so you can kind of work out the process you want to go you know pale ale simple ipa you don't want something with lots of malt additions lots of hop additions you know lots of fancy ingredients for your first one um and then just kind of build up from there and see see how you feel about it. Like, just have a go. Sours and things like that can be more difficult because you have got to kind of keep it. If you're going to do a sour, if you're going to use lactobacillus or brett, that's going to get in everything. So you will need separate sets. I've not been brave enough to try anything like that yet because I feel like I need a full different set of equipment so that it doesn't contaminate it and mess up my future brews. I was going to um, say, is that something, had you done a, a sour or a goes before, is that something that you not want one. to try at some I would point? like to. There is that yeast, um, the Philly sour yeast, that is apparently really good for, for souring stuff in a simple way, you know, as simple as it gets. Um, so I would like to try something like that. But, um, yeah, because I love a sour, so I'd like to try and make my own. But, but you just kind of got to build up to those things. If you feel confident doing it, give it a go. So it's kind of like there's not necessarily a better or worse thing to homebrew. No. It's more just maybe start basic until you understand yeah. the basics. So you understand and then the it's process. following a recipe. So yeah. sour like is being a bit more challenging because I think of if kit. You were, and... Like if you were learning to cook or bake, you wouldn't start by, you know, making the most amazing souffle, the most complicated, you know, croque en bouche, you know. When you, if you're starting yeah. out cooking, out baking or cooking, we're not expecting you to pull out the most amazing, you know, Bake Off show showstopper. And it's the same with, with brew and beer. Like you need to start simple and learn the process and then build up from there. Completely. Mine was a vanilla porter. Nice and simple. You say nice and simple, but like it's that kind of thing that doesn't sound like it sounds more. I think like it, it sounds like it's more like elevated than if you're saying it's like a simple level. Yeah. It doesn't, it would still wow somebody that didn't know oh, how it was to homebrew. Del- it was really <laughs> delicious. Like we were going to share it with friends and Gordon was like, I no. don't want you to give this away. I really like it. <laughs> I, uh, knowing Gordon, I especially appreciate that. That's, <laughs> a, that's a very high call. <laughs> right? He wasn't just like, tastes like beer. He was like, this is nice. We're not giving it to other people. 
Yeah, especially like the style and everything, like absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> what is the next one that I should ask? Hmm. Uh, so what app do you use for bring you kind of already said that but do you know of any other apps that are um i use brewer's friend there are other ones you can just google them fair google home brewing home brewing, google home brewing app but the one that you recommend is brewer's friend i use that's... brewer's friend i find that really user friendly um and it's all about use... that ui <laughs> yeah but if you use oh, it keeps telling me i've just opened it up so i can have a look at it um it's got an update that it wants to do but that one if you use it on the on your phone um you can do as many as many recipes as you would like there is like there's paid for subscriptions so you can like share recipes and blah 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 um i don't use it on a computer i use it just on my phone because then i can do as many as many is it limited if it's on your is it limited on a yeah and you have to have a subscription if you do Uh, desktop and if you want to share or sync these to your desktop and because you can share them with other people so that they can see that see the recipes and things then you have to have a subscription so it depends on on what you want to do with it have a look at the different options that are available but i just use the free app on my phone Fair enough. and it's easier to have my phone in the kitchen than it is my laptop on a brew day yeah and i mean i guess because you also do like you said you kind of have like your paper and you know you put pen to paper mm-hmm. for some of it as well like if you really like something and you want to record something that went really well yeah. You could probably just write it down. It depends on what calculations you want to make. And if you get like one of the systems, one of the all-in-one systems and things, you can do some of that via app and there's calculations and things you can do on the computer. So like I'm still very basic with my two pots and my sieve. <laughs> so do you think you'll ever like this isn't a question someone's asked but do you feel like you'll ever branch out from that someday? Like do you personally want to go all-in-one by choice versus if you find something that just happens to be the right price at the um, right time do you ever want to go commercial with it sell your beers or I don't at the minute I just quite like doing it as a hobby um I don't know whether I'd want to go commercial with it at the minute that's not that's not my goal I like I like the education side of beer and that I like I enjoy brewing with other people um but I don't necessarily at the moment know if I want to own a brewery <laughs> um i just quite like doing my fun stuff in my kitchen i guess it's there's less pressure as well so you can be like you can be creative to a degree in a brewery doing commercial level i mean i think some breweries prove you can be very creative yeah um but obviously it also comes down to how much money you know can you make for that creativity when you're doing it on a smaller scale there's like less finances that go into it and there's less loss um and i can just brew what i want to you brew. can brew what you like and you don't have to go think about what, what other people like what does people what do people want to buy from me i don't care i brew what i like you can make a pumpkin spice and if i drink right and if i just stout. if i just drink all six myself cool <laughs> i mean you don't because then you have to send them to me now i, I feel like uh, i've latched on now and i'm like joe you yeah. have to send me at least one yeah. of everything you're brewing <laughs> Uh, any secret tips and tricks that somebody may not know on their first homebrew, but that could be very helpful to be aware and cautious of if it's your first time. Sanitize everything. Follow the recipe. Sanitize me. <laughs> Literally sanitize everything. Like, do not skip anything. Um, follow the recipe. I sound like, you know, Prue and Paul on, on the um, technical. Follow the recipe. Um, timing. timings and temperatures are very important do not scrimp on that (laughs) that that there are chemical processes that are happening because you need to have it at 75.6 
<laughs> so make sure you've got it at 75.6 degrees Celsius because otherwise your processes are not going to happen. Um, um, don't worry about it and then don't worry about it too much. Just enjoy yourself. I think with a lot of things like keeps and sanitizer in, in a jar afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I think like homebrewing and being no different, there's a lot of hobbies and um, just different skills in life that, that I find the more you stress about something and the more you fixate on it, the more it's not going to turn out the way you want, the more relaxed and calm and cool and collective you can stay. I Sometimes can, turn right, out better. So, do not think you are weird if for your first brew, you sit there for some time just watching it bubble away because you're like, it's fermenting. <laughs> it's working. And it's it's so like you literally just go sit and go and watch it sometimes because you're like, that it's, it's doing its thing. It's fermenting. The thing the it's, to <laughs> it's supposed to be doing that. And like my one fermented, like I got bubbles for like two days and then it stops and I'm like, oh, have, have I broken it? Is it wrong? No, sometimes you'll just it'll just stop and it's fine. Um but when you first do it, you probably won't be like trying to take readings and with a hydrometer and everything like that and checking, checking all of that. You'll just brew. Um, don't worry. Like enjoy the fermentation while it's happening. <laughs> don't worry about it when it stops. <laughs> it was your face as well. You literally you did. The video. Like, that's the best thing. <laughs> I as would a like home to, brewer. Can we make that the cover of yeah. this episode was you going, it's doing it. It's thing. so good when it's like, because it'll sit there and it'll be quiet, quite quiet. And then suddenly hear bloop. you're like it's working it's working to be fair it's thing it's best we brewed and then we like sat there that night we were watching rupaul's drag race and we were sat there and i was like like during the day it wasn't doing it i was like it's not it's not bubbling i don't know i don't know what to do and then we kind of like waited a bit and like nothing happened that night. We were watching right. RuPaul. I was kept looking over. And I was like, it's not, it's not bubbling. Like, what, what have we done? What have we done? And then the next day, it was going for it. I was like, oh, it's blooping. Yeah. Like it was, it was very That's exciting. The <laughs> That's the best noise. As a brewer, that is the best noise. I feel like you captured it really well. That's some yep. real brewery ASMR right there. Yeah. Hashtag brewery ASMR. <laughs> we're gonna make that happen. I've made it a thing. It's, this is Tori's it's new venture. Happen. It is. It's my new. It's one of my new <laughs> ventures for my multi-billion-pound <laughs> corporation. Um, how do you come up with the recipes? You already kind of answered that. Uh, what are the limitations of home brewing versus commercial brewing? Um, the amount that you can produce. That's literally it. Like if you talk, like we when we spoke to to Damien from Emperors, he he realised that he could home brew just as well as a commercial brewery. Like you, if you can get the ingredients and you can develop the recipe, you can make a good beer. It's just the amount that you can make and the amount of money you can sink into it. Yeah, and I guess realistically there is that, to a degree, that level of like your limitation on ingredients, but yeah. that's it's not necessarily a limitation because you might you might be able to get something. Yeah, you, you might, might be able not. to find a way. Like if you really want something, you can find a way. Um, and it's distribution, getting it out to people, maybe more difficult as a home brewer than as a commercial brewery. So to end, I've got a couple questions from my friend that I mentioned earlier, who's mm-hmm. been homebrewing, and he uh, WhatsApp me some questions across. Uh, don't know if you can elaborate on them at all, if there's any opinions you might have around them. So the first one was really the first thing that he wanted to learn kind of as a next step was water prep and the importance of it. Um, I guess, are there certain things that you have to do to water or can do to water? What's the impacts of, of how you do it? Is there a prep that 
kind of need to do uh and then yeah i guess anything home brewing level wise when it comes to water that you can use that would cause an impact i don't do anything to my water i use tap water um where i am in kent i'm near dover my water is quite hard um but it is quite good for stouts and things like that which is generally the styles the kind of styles that i that i brew it's quite good for and I hadn't looked into it. I think if you're just going to start, just use tap water and see what happens. Um, I was uh, slightly surprised. I went on a brewery tour at um, Canterbury Brewers in Canterbury and they said they just use tap water and it works for their brews. So I was like, oh, well, if they're a commercial brewery, they're using tap water, I can just use tap water. But you can get like water reports, find out what your water's like. Um, You can look at recipes and see like if you're doing a particular style like you know pale ale came out the way it was because of where it was brewed um the water does make a difference to beer but unless you are trying to very specifically create a water profile from somewhere else I wouldn't worry about it on a home brewing scale I guess it's like a west coast like like so I know yeah. siren like as west long as coast you've got, IPA. You know, clean drinkable water you can make a beer yeah, I, I mean, I know, I said, so Siren for their West Coast IPA, I know that that was like a big, uh, something that was kind of talked about was like the water profile is different. That's why yeah. a lot of times there's maybe West Coasts that aren't necessarily the way they're supposed to be. Yeah, because, because you've not got West Coast water America water. Yeah, and I know... Um, like you tried the Sam Adams that was yep. contract brewed over here and you were it's like not quite the same it's the same recipe and everything yeah. and you were like oh something's off and then they said to you like oh well it's gonna be the the different yeah. water profile basically yeah. um and I know Siren as well like have that new uh, water treatment stuff and there are some breweries I think that have water treatment yep. stuff to it but uh, I guess if the overall is, you don't really need to do much. I mean, what w- would there be a massive difference if you, because you've got a Brita water filter. Yeah. If you used your Brita water, I mean, it wouldn't, you'd have I to mean, do quite a lot of it. Because yeah, you'd have to you do a, a lot for the amount it. of water that you want. And then you are stripping stuff out of it. So then you may be, well be stripping out the good stuff as well. And it, you, you could use bottled water. Again, that's had a lot of stuff stripped out of it. I think I've heard of people using bottled yeah, water as well. Yeah, you can try. You can try bottled water if you'd like to, but there's stuff that's been stripped out of it. Then, so I'm. I just trade off, tap, really. I just use my tap water. It's up to you. Like you can get properly into the science of water. That is probably one of the hardest, most kind of chemistry-based bits. Is getting into water chemistry for your beers like that's pretty advanced so i imagine starting... that's kind of i imagine as well like it's not like we were saying yeast there's quite a lot of like layers to that that you yeah. can sort of discuss and go into but at least you kind of have control over the yeast element to a degree yeah. water unless you've got probably a significant amount you of can money try get, <laughs> to treat like, things well you in can different try ways. and get a like you can try and get a water report for your area we had this conversation with Scott at, I don't know if you were there, but I had this conversation with Scott at Heist and they haven't been able to get a definitive water profile for their area and they're a commercial brewery. So sometimes it's more difficult than you think it is to be able to get that information. So, yeah. But it's like that thing of if you're wanting it to be very specific, you're going to yeah. have to pump a lot of time and a lot of money to get yeah, the treatment like facilities can, to get it. You can check, but I mean, but you can check, like you can check the pH levels and you can check what's in it and things like that. And there are things you can add to it or 
that will remove or take away or add things to it. You know, you can put tablets and things in. Um, I've never done it. I just use my tap water. And it comes interesting. Be interesting to see, like, if anybody has played around yeah different water types and has that first-hand experience of trying these different methods yeah um let us know because we can always sort of do a quick follow-up because it'd be quite interesting to know if anyone's done that let us know on on the instagrammies or whatever uh so yeah the last question that he had was um he kind of wanted to learn as well about cold crashing at the end of fermentation to drop out the yeast Mm -hmm. and hops before packaging and bottling he said that he reckons that that's more so if you're wanting to get something clear versus hazy. He prefers yeah. hazy beers. So uh, first of all, I thought it would be, just be good for anyone that doesn't know if you could explain what cold crashing is and then when you'd want to use that process, what are the added benefits? Um, so from what I understand of it, because I've never done it, not got temperature control, so I can't do that. <laughs> um, if you've got something that you want it to come, come out particularly clear, you at the end of fermentation, you would drop the temperature dramatically and that will make all the particles like drop to the bottom so you get a clearer beer like um, the plunge for beer i'm never yeah i'm never fussed by it because it's home brewed so it's a bit hazy <laughs> like enjoy <laughs> um but yeah that is a process you can do you need temperature control to be able to do that is there anything like is there any reason you'd want to use that process other than to get a clearer beer or is there any la- other benefits lagers. to it lagers are good for that like you know you want that kind of clearness from them so that's process you want on that i'm at the end of my beer now i'm down to just the bits of the uh bits that have a little bit of a bitty bits to it as you had mentioned earlier sediment Uh, sediment (laughs) i don't know why the word just escaped me bitty Bitty bits is what came to my head when i went completely blank so it just came out bitty bits so yeah I'm down to the last bit. That's got sediment in it, as you suggested earlier, I would. Uh, and out of your home brews that are ready for me to drink at the moment. Uh, so with that, Joe, actually, I've got one final question for okay. you. Would you consider doing a once every however many month brew of stuff that people recommend like you could do a drawing we could all submit you <laughs> ideas of what we want you to brew and then you could do a drawing of like i could do the best you know one. i was look, one of the one of the mead makers i follow on tiktok was they have um D dice and they have it numbered so they they roll the dice and they're like okay it's gonna be like this and it's gonna be like this and it's gonna have this that's pretty cool so we could do that at some point <laughs> Or I could just, the reason I was you asking just is I just want to want. submit. You, you could just tell <laughs> me what you did. want to bro. But if other people have any like really cool ideas that they'd like to see you sort of do. You can, you can message me on Instagram. Tell me what you want me to do. The lead into the socials, Joe. My, uh, my, if you'd like to suggest some brews that I could make for you, I am a woman's brew on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, mostly on Instagram. Or come to Love Beer Learning where you might learn a bit more about home brewing because I'm thinking about doing some homebrewing content on there so that is love beer learning on facebook instagram twitter tiktok and pinterest uh, we also have a website which is lovebeerlearning.co.uk and uh, an email address which is lovebeerlearning at gmail.com send us your ideas for the podcast send me ideas for beers on there um, and if you would like to support uh, this podcast in being created we would love you to become a supporter uh 
via Patreon, and that is patreon.com forward slash lovebeerlearning. For £2 a month, you can help us continue to make this content available for everyone. And you get it a whole day before everybody else. Where, Tory Powell, if they would like to ask you about when you're going to homebrew names, names, can they get hold of you? Adventures adventures (laughs) underscore in underscore optimism on Instagram. Done. (laughs) Just that. Just that. That's it. Uh, With that note. On that note. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.